You are listening to the Don't Psych Yourself Out podcast, where healthcare workers embrace psych. This show focuses on decreasing the stigma related to mental health through open conversation and encouraging our peers to seek treatment when needed. I'm your host, Marquita Savage, and I am a master's prepared registered nurse with over a decade of experience in the mental health field. I strive to create a community where insightful and compassionate dialogues about mental health and leadership occur. As we become more comfortable and confident discussing our mental health, we will create a lifestyle and community you've been searching for. Mental health is a priority. Let's talk about it. Episode one. Gosh, I I must say that I am very excited, but also anxious because this is my first time really just putting it out there. I want to start out by first thanking my family, my friends, my coworkers for the past 10 years. And the reason I specify that time frame is because that those years were very trying for myself. You know, the loss of loved ones, as well as the pandemic. As a healthcare worker, we are looked at as the professionals, no matter the situation we're faced with personally, is always push your personal feelings aside, walk into the room and remain professional at all times. And I took an oath and, you know, I definitely believe in being professional at all times. But it does get challenging at times. And, you know, I always ask myself, who's taking care of me if I don't? Because if I don't, then I can't take care of my patients. And that's what I got into this field for. So, again, I definitely want to thank family, friends, coworkers for being supportive and making a difference in my life for the past 10 years. Don't suck yourself out. Of course, it's focused on healthcare workers becoming more comfortable discussing and improving their mental health. So each day, I get a better understanding of the importance of self-care. But, of course, that wasn't the case a few years ago. In order to understand why the Don't Psych Yourself Out podcast exists, you have to know my journey. So I will begin. In 2012, my life changed drastically. My friends and I, um, we would take a yearly trip. But in 2012, that came to a halt. As we returned to our hometown, I received a message that one of my family members was in a car accident. At the time, I didn't know, you know, to what extent. However, when I arrived on the scene, one of the deputies informed me that, unfortunately, he did not survive the accident. So that was definitely... I was definitely overran with emotions, notified my mom. And and the sound of her voice is something that I will, I can't even say the sound of her voice. I would say it was this scream that she let out. I will never, that's something I'll never forget. So definitely having to make that phone call was extremely difficult and something that I had never done before, but it needed to be done. So he passed away, unfortunately, and we buried him on my birthday. So 2012 was essentially the last time I actually 
really engaged in a celebration or or celebrated life. However, over the past 10 years, I have learned so much, you know, so much about the importance of knowing what you need, who can provide those needs for you when you can't even think of what you need, as well as the individuals that's there at any given time. I definitely learned the importance of having a support system, you know, remaining positive, relying on community resources, focusing on the spiritual aspect in an effort to provide hope for myself as well as, you know, hope for others. So as I stated, you know, this year made 10 years and this is the first time that I even had the energy, the motivation, and the ability to celebrate my life, my birthday, and not feel guilty about being alive. You know, unfortunately, that's a part of the grieving process. At some point, you may or may not feel guilty. My journey and your journey, of course, will totally be different. And I'm not putting this episode out or I'm not putting this podcast out to tell you how to feel, but ultimately to bring more awareness for healthcare workers because we have to care for ourselves as well and become vulnerable at times. So like like many, um, healthcare workers also experience grief and loss, but the one thing that we have to do is we have to grieve while trying to encourage and motivate others on ways in which they can overcome or cope with grief and loss. But I will be 100% honest, it gets very, very difficult at times to remain positive. Let it be okay for us to have those emotions. You know, a lot of times we run out of the room or we hide in a closet And we break down as well, but we do know and understand that we have to be positive and we have to be strong for the families. But again, that's a lot to carry. And, you know, we don't want to feel guilty for having those emotions because we build rapport with our patients. Sometimes we get, you know, very close to our patients or, you know, the scenario that we're currently in may remind us of a situation that we've been in personally. But each day we choose to get up, risk our lives, place our feelings aside, and remain professional no matter the circumstances. For some individuals, this is very easy to do. But for others, it becomes extremely challenging to manage. However, we have an obligation to help others cope with and manage their grief, even if we are experiencing it ourselves. Ten years later, I still struggle at times. However, I have accepted the fact, you know, of course, you know, he's not coming back. So I do understand that piece of it. But it was important for me to identify with what I needed as well as, you know, the individuals in my life, what they can offer me in terms of piecing my life together in a more purposeful way. Behind Don't Psych Yourself Out and a lot of things that I've done in my nursing career, he honestly, my cousin that is, he's, he honestly remains 
you know, my motivation to keep pushing forward. So here I am, you know, standing here literally wanting to encourage the next individual that might be struggling and, and don't know, you know, if it's okay or they're uncomfortable discussing or stating that they need some assistance. So again, he passed away in 20, 2012. So one of my dedications to him or to myself to make my birthday more purposeful and not a sad occasion, in 2014, two years after his death, I took and passed the NCLEX. So I received my RN license, but of course was still struggling with his death. And in 2015, I was given an opportunity to travel. So I became a travel registered nurse, traveled across the country in different mental health settings. But I had to leave Alabama. It became a point where I felt like I needed to seek other opportunities. I needed to get away from the environment. I needed to seek out different things um, and not be closed in and, you know, limited, so to speak. I would say I, I, I no longer wanted to be limited. I wanted to be able to flourish. I wanted to be able to blossom. So I received my RN license, began traveling across the world, met some amazing individuals who helped me. Even if I didn't tell them personally how I was feeling, you know, sometimes just those words of encouragement that I hear would hear them give our patients. I will be like, oh, you know what? I can take that. You know, that's a lesson learned for me as well. So after leaving Alabama, started out traveling, I continued to even ask myself, you know, what, it, what do I need in order for me to feel better? If I tried something and it didn't work, I will revise that plan. So a lot of times I did ask myself, you know, why? Where do I start? How do I get there? Because, of course, in addition to professional things, personal things also played a role. So the grieving process can definitely take months to years to even notice a reduction. So as I stated before, my journey will definitely look totally different from yours. But my overall goal is to motivate, inspire, and encourage at least one person to keep moving forward. Because I, too, understand the long nights the dark days, and the silent cries that one may face due to the loss of a loved one. I mentioned having a sudden loss, which that can and did for me result in a range of emotions for both myself as well as my family. It ranged from shock to confusion to anger to guilt to asking a lot of questions. And I can honestly say that I stayed in the angry phase for a number of years. I had so many questions that are still unanswered. And of course, I wish things were different because he was a major link in our family chain that, you know, we had to figure it out. We had to figure out how to live without him. Grief is a natural human response. There are five stages of grief and which I will, you know, cover those as well and kind of give you some of my experiences, some things that I did personally to overcome, some things or suggestions that individuals gave me that helped me in hopes that it might help you that's listening as well. Five stages of grief include denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And as I mentioned, 
I have accepted his death, but of course, it still definitely gets hard at times. Though I mentioned a sudden loss, anticipatory death is and can be just as hard for others. Anticipatory death is when one might be diagnosed with a terminal illness. You know at some point that your loved one will die, but you don't know when. And this can be stressful as well. You know, you may leave them one day, one night, and then the next moment you get that horrifying phone call. And it's just as hard as a sudden loss. So one of the main things I definitely can stress, we see this, we, you know, we say this, but I don't know if we actually do it enough. Taking advantage of the time that you have remaining. You know, I had a lot of questions. I wish there were a lot of things that I would have said, but definitely one of the biggest things I can say is resolve any family issues, show gratitude, reflect on any accomplishments, you know, congratulate your family members, embrace them, and simply show love. You know, you may not get along with them. You're going to have arguments. That's just a part of being, you know, you're being human. You're going to have those disagreements. But when you hold grudges and then something happens, now you're living with regret. Some of the symptoms, you know, we may not even recognize the symptoms. For me, looking back on my journey, I displayed a lot of symptoms, but unfortunately, I was 2,500 miles away from my family, so it made it easier to hide. I was in a role in my nursing career where I had to be the tough one. I had to be the one that, you know, was calm or remained calm in crisis, so I was able to perfect that craft. However, when grieving, symptoms are displayed physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. Some physical symptoms might include decreased energy, headaches, nausea, vomiting, increased or decreased activities. Spiritually, you might become angry with the higher power. You may question your spiritual connection, or you might get closer to your higher power. Mentally and emotionally, you may experience fear, sadness, depression, or anger. And as I stated before, I was in that angry phase for a very long time. I was angry. I was just always angry. But I was able to hide that, so to speak, whenever I was at work. But when I was at home, I would be silent, or I would sleep, or I would overeat, or I would undereat. But those were some of the physical symptoms, and I had headaches for a very long time. But again, physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, you can be affected by the loss of a loved one. And so it's important for family members or those that are close to you to pick up on those signs, you know, especially when you've lost someone and you know for a fact that this person is changing for, I don't want to say the the worst, but if you notice that they're changing or some, some things have changed, check in with them. You know, whether it's a text message, whether it's sit down and have a conversation, or I just want to sit down and watch television, just show up. Like that is, for me, in my opinion, what would have helped me had I been closer to family, of course, but I essentially ran. I, that's, that's how I, that's the only way for me to realistically Describe it, running. 
So going back to the different stages of grief, this does not occur in any order, nor is there a time frame for how long one individual will remain in each phase or stage. Some people may not even go through all of the stages of grief. And some people, like I did, moved in and out of the different stages at different times. I was angry for a very long time, did not want to be around anyone. I bounced back and forth with my eating, my eating patterns, my sleeping patterns, as well as just not wanting to be around family. Literally, I was all over the place. In the African-American community, at least speaking for myself, we, we didn't talk about loss. We didn't talk about death. We overcame it by not talking about it. But for me, that didn't work for me. And I don't blame any of my ancestors. I don't blame my parents at all. But I had to figure out a way to overcome, to grieve in a way that was valuable to me, in which I believe I did. You know, there were, were some lows, but ultimately there were quite a few highs. I learned so many valuable lessons along the way. And as stated before, I hope to, you know, inspires other, inspire others as well. So from toxic workplaces to toxic people, I definitely learned a lot about myself. What was working well for me, I kept. What work wasn't working well for me, I removed myself from it. I can't change anyone else because during this time frame, I'm trying to really, really focus on me and what I needed, what I wanted. So in order for me to become happy again, I wasn't myself. So as I started seeing a change in between 2015, 2016, I started to see that happiness increase again. I was, I was really feeling like I was moving again. You know, I was getting out with coworkers. My husband and I was taking trips, you know, but like that's one of the things that I really like. I, I, I like to travel. So we were doing things that he and I both loved. But unfortunately, life happens again. And we experienced another sudden loss. And, and I can honestly say the work that I had done for my mental health went right out of the window. My first reaction was anger. I was angry all over again. I questioned God numerous times. I blamed God several times, you know, in terms of like, why would this even happen again? But I, I also knew it was important for me to look into the spiritual component of, of my life. So I was able to do that. So again, experienced a tragic loss and wasn't able to make it to the funeral, was 2,500 miles away. The day of the funeral, it was, it was bad. Let's just say, you know, I, I did not maintain my emotions very well at all. 2,500 miles away, knowing that my family is hurting, couldn't be there for them or with them. I was, I was absolutely a disaster. 
I wasn't in a good place. I definitely jumped back into avoidance mode and, and was so mad that I just did not, like, I, I lost that spiritual connection. I buried myself in work, wasn't taking care of myself mentally. And then all of a sudden, it, it was like one day I just woke up, like the light bulb came on again. And I, and I began doing something I hadn't done in years. I couldn't talk to my family. I don't want to say I couldn't. That's the, that's the incorrect word. I want, it was more so of, I just knew that's not something that our family talked about. We cried in silence. We didn't talk about death. You know, we were, we're, we're taught to be strong. And so crying sometimes can be looked at as a sign of weakness. And definitely being around our parents, they, they were our strong, our mothers, especially our strong women. And so not seeing them cry was something that I felt like, okay, if I cry, then she would be crying. And it, 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 it may be weird, but I'm pretty sure some people can relate being in, in an African-American family and not being able to express those emotions. So the the culture side of it, plus the professional side of it, where we're taught to be professionals and not cry in front of the patients. A combination of that just kind of puts you in a place mentally. It's like, where does this go? Like, where do I put this? But writing is something that I picked back up. I just, I, I it's like I just woke up out of this daze and just started writing. This became my go-to, whether I was at work, whether I was at home, or even in the car crying alone, writing became that coping skill, something that I, I used to do when I was younger. That started to help me. So identifying a coping skill, going with that definitely helped me. And so I encourage someone that's listening today, find what works for you. Only you know what works for you. Other people can make suggestions on, well, you should do this, you should do that, but you know what you like. And sometimes you have to dig very, very deep. And all of a sudden you'll be surprised of the things that you think about. I used to love writing back in middle school. And here I am an adult with a bachelor's degree. And I, I couldn't easily find that writing worked for me. And, and, you know, it, it just, it took the loss of two individuals that I was really close to in order for me to pick that back up. And so I encourage you find what works for you and write out goals on what you want to accomplish by overcoming the different stages of grief and, and, and what you want your life to look like after the loss of a loved one. So looking back on the five stages of grief, I want to elaborate a little more because even though we are healthcare workers, we do not have the answers to everything. And sometimes we need help as well. I can recall in 2012 being in the denial phase after my cousin's death, and I was in disbelief. I was angry, and I asked God why so many times and even went through a phase of spiritual disconnection, as I stated before. I didn't stay in the bargaining phase where that's where, you know, God, if you allow it, you know, this person to stay alive, I promise to do good or I promise not to curse. It's like, you know, give me my loved one and I'll give you something. I didn't have that. I knew he wasn't 
wasn't coming back. I knew he was gone. So I, I didn't go through that phase because there, there were no other options, essentially. So I didn't go through the bargaining phase, but some do, especially, I feel like, especially when it's anticipatory and you're anticipating this individual to pass away and, you know, you're, you're asking God to not take them away. I went in, I did go in and out of the depressive state. It resulted in me isolating myself from family members, especially when I would go home. So here I am coming home to Alabama. 2,500 miles away. The goal is to visit family, be around them and enjoy that time, you know, not wanting to miss a day and just wanting to enjoy time with my family. That was the goal. However, as soon as I got to my hotel, I will always silence my phone intentionally or unintentionally and sleep. I really didn't want to go and be around anyone, or if I was present, I was present physically, but mentally my mind was not there. It wasn't there for a very long time. Sometimes I would look back at pictures and it's like, oh, I don't remember that. But I, I you know, looking back now, I wish one of the things that I would have done was say something. You know, I wish I had the courage and the confidence to say, I'm not okay. We need to talk about this. Let's talk about this. Let's get our emotions out because I can't be the only one feeling this way. You know, I could look at my mom sometimes or look at my aunts at times and know that days just staring off. And it's like, I do the same thing. We're in it together we have the same feeling but we don't talk about it so i want to say if you know someone in the healthcare field especially check on us check on them are you okay is there anything i need you know you need help with if you know they have kids or if you know you know they're working long hours a cup of coffee, you know, may may help. A simple thank you, even though they're not providing that service to you. Thank you. You know, when you walk into hospitals or you walk into a clinic and you think an individual has an attitude just because, sometimes they do. But for 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 some, they don't. And they could be going through, you know, a tragic time as well, but remaining professional at all times. So one simple act of kindness, and as I stated, it may be cliche, but a simple thank you might just be enough. You know, we we have to abide by certain regulations, rules and regulations, policies and procedures, and it's oftentimes difficult for us to express what we've seen, what we've gone through in our day. We may give a loved one an overview of what our day looked like or, you know, the, the ups, the downs. But ultimately, we, we, it's hard to describe some of the things that we see. So my tragic loss occurred before the pandemic. And I was still dealing with some things during the pandemic. And then another loss. Unfortunately, I lost my grandmother who passed away. And with her death, though I miss her 
tremendously. With her death, I was able to cope a, a little better than I did before. So I definitely can say that I, I handled her death better than I did with my cousins. And I would hate to say it's because I'm accustomed to loss, but it's not that. It's more so of I know and understand my coping skills. So definitely miss her a lot. And she, she too also played a role in the Don't Psych Yourself Out um, podcast, as well as some other things that I'm currently working on. But I, I, I want to say, because some people have asked, you know, well, how do we support healthcare workers? And as I mentioned, a simple thank you would be helpful for some. But for me, it's all about the mindset. We know our healthcare system is broken. But there are many of us that absolutely love the profession and the difference we make every day. But we are human as well. And sometimes we just need someone to take care of the caregiver. Sometimes a simple thank you is enough. But encourage one to engage in self-care. Call, check in on them. Active listening works. Even, even if you're just there and you're silent. But one thing I can definitely say that does not work for me and I can't speak for everyone else but never tell someone how they should feel because the way they feel is the way they feel and you can't you can modify that by giving them you know tips on self-care or encouraging them but you shouldn't be crying you're stronger than that and maybe it's it's you know, the lack of knowledge, awareness, or understanding of the individual that's speaking to them, because maybe they don't know as well. But, you know, I can definitely say never tell someone how they should feel. Again, I personally want to thank my support system for standing with me. But I, I can't apologize for the many years that I was physically present, but mentally wasn't. I do want to apologize for not saying anything sooner, but I'm glad to say that I am here. And I thank you all for being a part of my life for the past 10 years. I also want to extend a thank you for my, to my peers. May it be nurses, doctors, case managers, housekeepers. You all played a huge role in helping me overcome. So in closing, healthcare workers, we must become more comfortable discussing our mental health suicide, substance abuse, and other mental health issues must decrease because if we are not able to take care of ourselves, then we ultimately can't take care of other individuals. And there are so many people out in the world that need us. I can honestly say in closing, 10 years later, I am now in a place where I can share pieces of my journey of coping with such a tragic loss. There's definitely more to come, so I ask you to always, always, always focus on your mental health, but also follow us for future episodes. My goal is to build a community with individuals that will become more comfortable discussing and improving their mental health. So if you or a loved one is experiencing a grieving period where you may think is lasting longer than it should, you may want to seek professional counseling so they can assist you through the process. It's okay to talk to someone that you may not know. So definitely seek the, the help that you feel like you need, 
don't allow your feelings to be boggled up inside because pressure busts pipes. And so therefore you hold things in and you don't grieve properly, so to speak. And as a result, you're affected mentally. So I definitely thank you all for for listening. I will have future episodes posted. My goal is to post on a bi-monthly basis. If there are topics that you're interested in discussing or being a guest on the show, definitely reach out to me. You can send me an email to info at marquitasavage.llc. That's info at marquitasavage.llc. And again, thank, thank, thank each and every one of you for listening, for being here with me. And if you experience symptoms or did experience symptoms while listening to this podcast and you need expert assistance or counseling, you should definitely seek the services of a competent professional. Again, thank you. Focus on you. Identify the needs that you may have and self-care is important. Mental health is a priority. Let's talk about it. And remember, don't psych yourself out.